Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23. This is, uh, this whole chapter, um, is kind of dealing with the same thing, so it's hard to kind of divide it into sections. And I think it would be too long uh, to try to deal with it all in one week. Um, if you have a caption on your Bible, it might say, uh, The Seven Woes to the Scribes and Pharisees. Uh, that's what mine says. Um, but the woes don't actually start until verse 13. So kind of what we see here, uh, what we're going to look at today is kind of an introduction before we get to the woes that he pronounces, that Jesus pronounces on the scribes and the, and the Pharisees. And all of this has been a kind of a culmination or a climax of what has been leading up to it. We have several confrontations with the scribes and the Pharisees. We have all these Times whenever the, the, they have come to Jesus with question after question after question, and Jesus has left them dumbfounded. You have the question about taxes. You have the question about the greatest commandment. You have all of these different questions that Jesus has been asked, and he has uh, been able to answer them all and leave them silent. And then finally, last week, we looked at how Jesus asked them a question, and it said at the end, they didn't ask him any more questions. They'd learn their lesson. Don't ask questions to this guy. And here we have a culmination or a climax of uh, these confrontations with the Pharisees and the scribes as Jesus gives this discourse where he uh, condemns the scribes and the Pharisees. We'll continue this next week as we look at the woes, but for this week, I think one of the things that it all comes down to is that the scribes and the Pharisees tried to look more holy than they really were. They were hypocrites. They, they, uh, they did all these kinds of things to try to put off a kind of a religious show, and yet they were empty. And Jesus goes more into that in the later part with the woes. Let's begin with our text, uh, starting in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, and so observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, And you are all brothers. And call no man father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. 
Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, help us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to obey. Help us to see where we have been hypocritical. Help us to see where we have been like the Pharisee. Help us to turn from our sin and look to you. Lord Jesus, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, his audience here has changed. Before he was talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, he has turned now to his disciples and to the crowds. He is speaking to us. He's not speaking to them over there. He's speaking to us as he says this. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. This can mean two different things. One, uh, in the synagogue back then, um, some archaeological evidence shows that they had a stone seat that would be in the synagogue that would be the place of teaching. Uh, Another uh, possible understanding of this passage would be that uh, Moses' seat here is a succession, that they, they stand in Moses' succession, that, that, the, that they're continuing on the teaching job that Moses did as he gave the law. And Jesus here says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do whatever they tell you. Now this seems strange to us. Especially if we've been reading Matthew up to this point, because Jesus has already been confronting the Pharisees over and over again and pointing out their hypocrisy. And he's had disagreements with what they say to do. Just think about the Sabbath issue, for one. So different explanations have been made about how to understand here, and I think probably what Jesus here is doing, and it's, it's, hard, it's easy for us, for us to miss But I think he's being sarcastic. (laughs) They sit in Moses' seat. (laughs) Yeah. They sit in Moses' seat. So do whatever they tell you. Still, I think some sarcasm here, but not the works that they do. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. So he then goes into a reason for they preach, but do not practice. We want to have integrity in our message. We we don't want to be like the hypocrites, the scribes, and the Pharisees. We want to live up to what we say to be true. Now, this is hard. And honestly, I think it's impossible. No one can live up to the Bible if we're actually preaching it for what it says. Only Jesus could. That's the point. That's the point. So, we need to make sure that our message is not one of legalism, saying you have to do this and do this and do this to be accepted by God. The only way that we can really practice what we preach is if we preach a message of grace. A message of grace that says, look, we have failed, we have fallen, and yet 
Jesus was enough. And the preacher and the teacher needs the grace just as much as everybody else. We need grace. Verse 4, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to, make, to move them with a finger. I think this confirms what I've just said. What is it that the Pharisees did? They placed on people burdens. They gave them law. They said, do this, do that. But that's not what the Christian message is all about. The Christian message is not just a bunch of rules. The Christian message is, yes, we can't keep the rules. Jesus did for us. Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He fulfilled the law. His righteousness can now be imputed to us, given to us because of what He did on the cross. The Pharisees, all they did was give law and law and law. And they didn't help anybody. But oh, the contrast to what Jesus said. Come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That is the message of Jesus. Verse 5. Do all, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. This is what the Pharisees boiled down to. They wanted everybody to think they were great. They wanted everybody to think that they were perfect followers of God. And what did they do? They did what was in the law. Now, Ron read earlier the passage that says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength and your mind from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in that it also had the passage about teaching your children diligently. And it ended with this strange, almost strange thing where it says to bind them on your hands, to bind the law on your hands, to place them as frontlets on your, between your eyes, and to have tassels. Now, we don't really think often about spirituality being something about fashion. <laughs> and yet, the Old Testament, spirituality was in all of life, even down to the things you wore. And what the Jews would do... Uh, now, uh, we have a friend here who lived, grew up around some Jewish people. They had phylacteries. Uh, did, did people wear those today? Some. I some? haven't seen it in public. But, okay. But yeah. yeah. Well, um, that, what that is would be like a box that they would put little scriptures written down and stick it on their forehead as a reminder to keep the law. And it also said to bind it on their hands. So they would have those on their hands and, and uh, as, as reminders to keep the law. And then they would also uh, have these tassels, which uh, Numbers tells us uh, that, that the Jewish people would do, as, as well as here in Deuteronomy. Uh, they, would, they would do all these things to remind them of God's perfect law. Now, is that a bad thing in and of itself? No! The law said to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. 
In fact, we do the same kinds of things today when we might have a wristband or something to remind us to pray. Or some, we might wear a, a Christian t-shirt to kind of help us to, to remember who we are and who we represent. Yet, the Pharisees did it with the wrong attitude. They, they would make their phylacteries big. <laughs> they, they, would, they would make it so, so it would stand out because the bigger it was, the holier they must be. And they'd lengthen their tassels for the same reasons. Jesus was not condemning doing the very things that were there in the law. He was condemning drawing attention to yourself. And we can do the same thing. We can be guilty of the same thing. Well, we don't wear phylacteries. We probably don't have tassels. Maybe the ladies do, but men, we probably wouldn't wear tassels. <laughs> but, like I said, sometimes the Christian t-shirt or something, we have to examine our heart. Do we wear this with the right motives? Or do we wear it so that others will think we're great? That we that will think we're all spiritual and do we wear it for our own reputation instead of for the glory of God? We can fall into the same temptation as the Pharisees. Jesus says, and they love the honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogue. That can be a temptation for all of us to come to to a, a feast someplace, to maybe a potluck as a special guest, and everybody pats us on the back and says, oh, we're so glad to see you here. And it feels good, doesn't it? Or the best seats. Now, I know back then, the best seats would be up close to the front where you could hear the teacher better. But now, the best seats are the ones in the back, right? <laughs> Especially in a Baptist church, right? <laughs> Sitting in the back. They love the place of honor. Are we people who push ourselves forward to the place of honor? Jesus says, the greetings in the marketplace. They do those things. They they enlarge their phylacteries. They put uh, tassels. They lengthen their tassels. All those things so that people will see them, not just in the synagogue, but they'll see them out in the marketplace, and they'll recognize what they are trying to present themselves as. We don't have to worry about this here, but I've heard that there have been times and there have been places where people would come to church every Sunday and they'd look and see, oh, look at what so-and-so is wearing, or oh, look at what so... And they they would try to impress people every week. It's the same kind of temptation that the Pharisees fell into and that Jesus warns us about. And then he says, and they love being called rabbi by others. Now, Jesus is going to expound on this a little bit more. But I want us to take note. They loved being called it. They loved being called it. It caused a certain sense of pride to well up in them whenever they heard people call them teacher, rabbi. Oh, 
It feels good to be called that. Jesus, in contrast, says, but you, his disciples, are not to be called rabbi, not to be called teacher, for you have one teacher. That's something we need to know about Christian leadership. The pastor is not the one in charge. Jesus is. Jesus is the one who rules his church. Now, Jesus has given those to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. All of these gifts and, and, and abilities that he's given to his church. But he is the one who has authority. And all we do is open up his book and we say, this is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. We can't come up with anything on our own. When we try to be innovative as a pastor, we're in the wrong place as a teacher. We're just to be faithful to what He said. Jesus says, you're not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and, um, and call no man father on earth. Now he changes the direction here. First he says, you're not to be called teacher. Don't let anybody call you teacher. Then he says, don't call anyone father. Notice the change in direction there? It comes from it goes from a passive to an active. Don't call anyone father. Um, it would be not historical to think to try to read on um, today's titles and things onto the time of back then. When they talk about the fathers, they probably could be talking about the patriarchs. They could be talking about just uh, the prophets who had already died. They could be talking about those kinds of people because uh, here, it, I don't think they're talking about something that, uh, that these people would be tempted to call anyone. He's saying, no, don't, don't consider Isaiah or Jeremiah or any of the prophets or any of the passed away rabbis. Don't call them father, which was a common practice of the day. No, you have one father. And that's your heavenly father. And then finally, Jesus picks up again this idea of a teacher. He uses a different word. He says... um, Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. Now, I've kind of been dancing around this, and I haven't really gotten to the issue, but what kind of titles are appropriate for us to use? Um, you know, maybe not everybody comes to the same conclusion or conviction about this. Um, since I'm an ordained pastor, I, I mean... Technically, I could use the term reverend, but I don't, I don't use that. I don't want anybody to call me that. Just call me brother. Just call me brother. Um, some people 
uh, are very, very particular about being called doctor if they've earned a doctorate. Um, I'm thankful for the, the, the model that I saw. Whenever I was in seminary, we went to a church that, was, that the preaching pastor was a professor at the seminary, and he said, you can call me doctor at school, but here in the church, in fact, there were several professors, they said, just call me by my first name. Call me Tom. Call me Bruce when we're here in the church. Because at the church, our primary relationship is brother and sister. Now, I, you know, I have pursued a doctorate in the past, and I don't know that I'll ever finish it, but if I ever do, still don't think of me any different. Just call me brother. Finally, Jesus comes down to the heart of the matter. In verse 11, he says, The greatest among you shall be your servant. The Pharisees and the scribes, they wanted to be great. And they thought by being great, they make themselves look great. And people would see them and shower praises on them. And that's what would make them great. But as Jesus has said before in this Gospel, that's not greatness. Greatness is being servant. In the last verse, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. There are other passages that say, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. I think that's, uh, that is uh, appropriate, but this passage right here is not a command. In this text, in this particular text, he's explaining what it is in the kingdom's economy. The greatest will be a servant. Whoever exalts himself will one day be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will one day be exalted. Don't try to make others people, people look at you and, and think, wow, that person is so spiritual. I want to be like them. No. Don't do that. Don't be tempted to do that. In fact, if you are tempted, like we all are tempted to do that. That's part of the thing where we have to renounce the sin in our own lives. We have to fight even that sin of pride and wanting others to think that we are great. And let all glory be to God. That's what we said. To God be the glory. Great things He hath done. So loved He the world that He sent us His Son. who yielded His life in atonement for sin. And open the life gate that all may come in. That's who receives the glory. Jesus receives the glory. And the Pharisees were glory robbers. So, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the scribes. Be like Jesus, who humbled Himself even to the point of death on a cross. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.